0: We'd like to welcome each one here this morning. I really like that phrase or that uh, the chorus follow me, I'll guide you home. And that kind of goes along with my thoughts this morning. You know, all of us, in, in going back to God taking Egypt. Well, let me just read the verse that I've been going off of the last couple of messages. It says, And I will come down to deliver thee, to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, a large... Let me say that. Let me read that verse again. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So God took the Egyptian uh, Israelites out of Egypt and brought them, his goal was, to the promised land. And I was liking it unto God bringing us out of the out of the world. He saved us and now he's the Holy Spirit is guiding us home, leading us and then the promised land. And that's kind of what I would like to share this morning. A land flowing with milk and honey. And I can imagine what they were visualizing as they thought of that. You know, to them it sounds I would say after what they were all the bondage that they were in and the sorrows and the, the crying for deliverance you would have thought that this that was just a it would be hard to imagine but um, well even the spies had a chance to visualize and bring back a report of the this promised land or this land flowing with milk and honey and if you ever been to Israel you you know that the land is flowing with honey there's a lot of date of uh, date trees and a lot of honey and it's not the honey of bees but it's uh, you call them dates or pigs <laughs> but yeah they. I call it date date honey. So anyways, this, um, in Numbers 13, verse 21 to 24, I want to read. This gave them an idea of what this land was going to be like when they got there, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came, um, they had sent 12 spies out. They were to spy out this land. And they came to, they went in and spied it out. But anyways, they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought out pomegranates and figs. And can you imagine the... I guess the excitement of, of knowing that this land is fertile. We'll be able to go in and, and have plenty to eat and so on. And I can't imagine the, the grapes that big where they would have to put a pole and carry it through the t- uh, between two. But it, I think they, they had a visual of what this, the holy land or the land flowing with milk and honey was going to be. And they knew that this was their final desk, uh, dwelling place. They were going to go there and then God was going to be with them and, and it, life was going to be good. And they had that, that uh, visual given to them. And thinking of us also on our journey also, that when we were saved, it's compared to the children of Israel leaving Egypt. We would call it today a justification. Then we have the journey of life, just like they journeyed through the wilderness. God was growing and maturing them, just like he does us. We would refer that to being sanctified by God. And then lastly, God brought them to the promised land, and this is our future too. When we are to be with God in person, and this is called, will be the glorification, being with God. So I want to go to Revelations and give you a visual of that land flowing with milk and honey and that land, the difference between the promised land that we will experience when we leave this life when God will will be glorified and will be glorified through him. So along with the visual like the Israelites did, they didn't they saw the fruits brought to them and the story of the 12 spies well we've had nobody that had went to heaven and it came back and and told us now i know there's books were written and there's a lot of people talk about of uh, being in heaven and then coming back but i'm not sure how much to believe that but in revelation twenty one verse one to four it says And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. I saw John, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, and the former things are passed away. So we see, kind of see how it's going to be a land um, where there will be no death, there will be no crying. If we go to chapter 21, uh, stay in chapter 21 and go down to verse 22 to 25. He says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is, is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto it. And the gates of it shall not be shut all by, at all by day, for there is no night there. So we see that this city is going to be a... Or the, the promised land is going to be living with God. God is going to be there, and we'll be able to see him. And there will be no light... Uh, no night, and that's hard to imagine. And, yeah, there, it, when you talk about the kings nowadays, you know, you see all the fighting and things going on, but actually all the kings here of the earth will bring their glory to the temple. So that's what we see, part of it. And then if we go to the next chapter, and I'll read the first five verses, it says, He showed me a pure, river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding out proceeding out of the throne of god and out of the lamb and in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there a tree of life bear 12 manner of fruits yield her fruits every month and leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations there shall be no more curse but God, the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him and there sh- they shall see his face and his name shall be in their forehead and there shall be n- no night there and they need no candle neither light of the sun for the Lord giveth them light and they reign forever and ever so again we kind of see what this city or this country is going to be like a new earth it talks about There'll be a river flowing through it, and there will be, um, yeah, fruit trees, and there'll be trees with all different kind of fruits, so you can take your pick and and so on. So it's again, it would be like the Chilavista. It would be hard to imagine that that's what's going to be, and I don't think we're going to see the fruit that we go into the market to get. I think we're going to see the fruit. Like the promised land, the Israelites had the large fruits. And if you go through the market in Israel, you will see um, that their vegetables and their fruit are, are very, very pretty. They're nice and big and very tasty. But this is going to be our final resting place, our promised land it says that we will live with him forever and ever the children of the children had the children of Israel had an, an idea of where they were going so they had a they had an idea in their mind where they were going and how they were going to get there but what happened how many years does somebody know? I, we looked it up, Googled it, but we got an idea how many years did the children of Israel journey from Egypt to where they went in and spied the land out? How many how many days you might say? You know, w- we think of years, right? 40 years. And we think, well, that's a long time. We can lose our we can lose our focus in that but try saying 11 days that's only that's less than two weeks the time you left Egypt to get to the promised land or to be able to see parts of it and the reaction to it and all the murmuring and complaining what what is going on I would say but they, they lost their vision. They they were wanting to go to the promised land, but they didn't want to have to go through the process of the sanctification of bringing them pure and holy before God. So where where was their focus? Well, I, I would say their focus was on the here and now. Their focus was on where they were at, the... There was no water. Their focus was on. They had no meat to eat. Their focus was on. On each day, and as they were journeying through, their focus was not ahead. And I, I, I see no difference in us. You know, we look at today, and we. And that becomes our focus, and we, we don't, we get distracted with things around us. We, we want to get ahead in life, so we work harder. Um, we raise children, and anyways, that draws us away from what we're really desiring to serve. I want to go to Matthew chapter 6 and give you an, a, a tool to help you to stay focused in life. And I think the children of Israel, if they would have kept that focus in life, in those 11 days or two weeks, it would have turned out a whole lot different. But in Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you get did you get that last verse? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So where's your treasure? You know, it'd be nice to if we could put money in a bank in heaven. It would be nice to start building a house in heaven to prepare for us. You know, to... But we can't do that because when we could do that, that would become our treasure. That would become my goal in life. I would forget those things here and now and I'd be looking forward to someday going up and and be able to live in this mansion or be able to to draw the money out of the bank but it's not that way so how do we lay out treasures in heaven so that it gives us a desire to want to go there you know we have a lot of time we would say we have three resources or treasures of our lives is time and treasures and Uh, resources and energy. You know, so our time, we have time, we have resources, and we have the energy. So how can I use those three things to prepare um, to have treasures in heaven? And I'm sure we know, we have an idea where someone needs a cup of water, we give them a drink. When someone has a need, we... Meet their needs. When someone uh, needs clothes, we give them clothes, and you know, we. But we don't visualize that as a, treasures that we're laying up in heaven. But we are, and even our children, we don't visualize them as being treasures laid up in heaven. But they are, and so when that becomes our focus of heaven then everything in my journey of life is going to be geared toward that 1 Peter says it to an inheritance incorruptible to an inheritance that's something that is a gift to you it's something that is coming you know we're kind of on the brink of that promised land and you some of you may say well that's many years off and some may say well yeah it is it, we are on the brink but we are you know just like those six gentlemen that were on that plane you know they they're on they were on the brink of of the of being in this promised land and all of us are i mean we are not guaranteed a, a tomorrow but it's an inheritance to us. It's a gift to you. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's reserved there for us. So it's up to us to go in and take it. So why didn't the children of Israel go in and take it? Why didn't, don't we take that? Do what we need to, to get that inheritance I may say, why don't we, but why doesn't the people of the world? But if we know in uh Sunday school lesson that it was written to Christians and it says something about fighting within each other because of our lusts. I want to go to Numbers 13 and share what what was going on here that um, you know, all this was coming out. All this was presented. You know, Caleb and Joshua said, you know, everything is good. Let's go in and take it. You know, the, the people are big, but we God can give us the strength to go through and conquer the land. But in Numbers thirteen thirty one, it says, But the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we and they brought up an evil report of the land which were searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land which thou though the land though which we have gone to search is to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants and the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in the uh, and we were in our own sights as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. What was going on? Was the focus the promised land? Well, we can say it wasn't, because of all the things that were happening in this two weeks period the promised land to them it it was too fearful you know they didn't I don't read anything in here where they they said they brought up an evil report they didn't see anything about the good fruit they didn't see anything good about the land all they saw were the giants and they were fearful of them I wonder if we have giants in our lives. But probably the one thing that I really wonder is about the evil report. Do we, as Christians, share a good report or an evil report? So in other words, do we tell the world that And the world can see in us that, you know, our chargers isn't here, but it's in heaven. And we're looking forward to going to heaven. Do they see that? Do they see that God is bigger than my trials that I'm going through and is able to give me the strength to conquer it? Do they see how I respond to trials and tribulations? What do they see? What kind of report do we give to them who God is? And I think that's the biggest thing here is their God was small and the giants were too big. So where were they when they went through the Red Sea? They were there. Where were they when they, when God struck, uh, Moses struck the rock and out came water and they were fed with quails where was God? Did not did they not see God? Do we see God? Is God working in our life? Go to chapter fourteen of Numbers. I want to read the first ten verses and the. Ch- congregation lifted up their voice and cried unto the people and wept that night and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them would God that we had died in the land of Egypt or would God that we had died in the wilderness in this wilderness therefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land so fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey Where we were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return unto Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And yeah, due to lack of time, I won't read it all, but. Brings out the idea that God wanted to then destroy the people, and that was it and Of course, um, Moses pled and asked God to um, give them grace because of his name, what people- what the countries around them are going to think about who God is. God was not able to bring them up, and so on, so Somewhere I'm missing a verse. <clears throat> I, what I, I had a verse here that I was going to read that kind of brings me to the next point of being um, the cost of the cross. You know, the cost to the people was that they were going to lose their life because of the giants in the land. And they weren't willing to go through it at the cost of, of going across the brink of the promised land. And I'm thinking, is the cross that's in our lives too great that we desire to go back to Egypt? You know, maybe maybe it's giving up our, my rights. You know, I'm just not willing to to give up my rights and and be under authority. Or maybe it's I want to enjoy the pleasures of this world. Is the cost too great? You know, we can go to the New Testament and we can get. Uh, The story of Demas and how Demas chose the pleasures of this world over the cross. And he walked away. And I think sometimes, um, I don't think sometimes, I, I know we, at times, don't share the gospel because we're afraid of the cost. We don't want people to ridicule us. And we don't want people to think bad about us. And then if we go down to verse 23 of chapter 14, it says, Surely they shall not see the land that I swear unto the fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. And my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit which with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it so that what kept him out of the promised land was that that rebellious heart that was in him I have a couple other things that I wanted to mention about the children of Israel you know God kept them out because of how they murmured and rebelled against God murmuring is kind of in the category of uh, being ungrateful. Uh, being discontent. Speaking against a person or a thing out of dislike. We never do that. Or do we? You know, we're free to, at least I know, we're free to share what we dislike quicker than what we share, what we like. 1 Corinthians 10.10 10 says, Neither murmur as some of them also murmured. Jude 1.16, These are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and in their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men, men's person in admiration because of advantage. So God puts murmuring really close, or not really, let me rephrase that. God puts murmuring in a category of what will keep you out of heaven, out of the promised land. God wants us to have a grateful heart. In First, uh, First Thessalonians says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Gratefulness is expressing sincere appreciation to God and to others for the ways they have benefited you, my life in your life. So are we grateful as the children of Israel weren't? And I think if we would have, they would have been grateful for Moses and for those who were leading them, I think it would have turned out a whole lot different. Another th- area that they did was, or Moses was kept out of the promised land, was because of disobedience. And I put that, arc. you know, we can kind of say, well, that was Moses, but I, I would put the whole category of the children of Israel into that, the disobedience to God. You know, obedience is not an optional quality. It's a requirement for us to be there to meet him in, our, in the promised land, to be able to go across the threshold of life. Obedience is affirming the truth that God gives direction and provision through those he has placed in our lives. So so Jesus says, you know, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You're going to do as I have asked you to do because of our love for him. And I think that was really lacking. Going back to Revelations chapter 21, I would like to continue that um, where he was talking about what heaven was like. Revelations 21, verse 27. <clears throat> and then he says, um, And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth. So there will be nothing in there that would defile the holiness of God. And that's, to me, exciting to to think about. Nothing will be there that will defile the holiness of God. It's going to be pure from all the evil things that we experience today. Then he says, Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in the land's book of life to start this journey and to end well we have to experience that in our lives you know to come to the point where God where the Holy Spirit is leading us home the Holy Spirit is putting into my life you know what is this action that you're doing promoting holiness is this action in your life shameful to to God and then it's those areas that he is working us in this journey that sometimes he has to bring things in our lives to, to drive his point home and to encourage us in that you know, God wants to be able to say when we come to the threshold of life to enter into the promised land that he can enter a sin and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, to, to think of being able to come to that threshold in life like the, the, Jew, the Israelites did in coming into the promised land where God blocked them and says no turn around and you're going to wander for 40 years for every year for the 40 days that the spies were in the land you're going to suffer and, and that's where you're going to die and it, to me it's, it would be just and they did, they cried and some of them wanted to go anyways and God blocked them from doing that and he's going to do the same thing for us. We're going to get to that threshold. We're going to cross into the promised land. But he will not allow anyone in who has not written the book of life. But, and that's those who have accepted Christ as their savior. And now have allowed God to sanctify them in their journey. But now has, um, yeah, now he says, come, you enter in to the, enjoy the presence of God. Or I'm not sure now how, how it all says. But he says, come, thou faithful. But then to the others, he says, depart. You're not entered. You're not welcome. I don't know you. You've rejected me. You've been murmuring and complaining about everything in your life. You've allowed your life to be defiled. You've allowed abominable things into your life. Your journey here has not been pleasing. And we will be cast into outer darkness to die in the wilderness like the Israelites did. Where are you in your journey, in your life? Have you come to the point where you can say, I'm coming across, I've asked, um, yeah, the Lord has been with me, I lived for him, and I didn't come out right, (laughs) sorry, but I lost my train of thought there, but um, yeah, is your life pleasing to God, is what I wanted to say. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together as Christian brothers to worship you. Lord, I pray that the Spirit will just work in each one of our hearts and our lives, that we can live that life of sanctification sanctified life a life of purity a life that is seeking you a life that has put treasures are putting treasures in heaven and not here on this earth so i just pray lord that you would bless each one here this morning thank you for their their life their example and their I just pray that you would continue to bless them in their responsibilities that each one have in, in here and now, and just pray that their focus would be on you and remain there until the end, and we want to give you the praise in Jesus' name.